You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to another Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us again today is Eric Sprott. Eric, happy Friday. Hey, Craig, good to be with you. You know, as we've said for pretty well every week this year, you know, it's, it's nice to chat when things are going well, and I find it interesting that literally gold's down this week, but it feels like it's up, if you know what I mean, because things have certainly worked out in the precious metal space, it, uh, more particularly in the stocks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after what we saw over the uh, U.S. holiday weekend and the way the price was smashed, I, wouldn't, I think we saw a low about all the way down to 1190 or something like that. We As did. we record this morning, we're well back above there, just below 1230. Yeah, it's a down week, but it doesn't feel like it. And, and in a way, you got to feel pretty good, right? Uh, in fact, there's lots of reasons to feel great about it, and uh, I'm sure it'll come out in our subsequent chat. What uh, What do you see, Eric? Do you see market internals? Do you feel pretty good about the paper price going forward, or do you uh, well, sense that there's a bit of a correction coming, or where do you stand at this point? No, I think there's some overwhelmingly uh, positive evidence of uh, change in the market. And and I, I could just tell you that, for example, Sprott Money, when it sells coins and coins up here, I mean, our business has doubled. Um, uh, we see uh, money flowing into, we have ETS listed on the NYSE, we see money flowing into them. That's different. Uh, the premium in our silver trust has gone up to close to 3% from basically being flat. And uh, I can tell you that we've had a lot of institutional inquiries about uh, getting into the market. So, the, and, and of course, we see stock issues, and you know, the money is really starting to come around. And of course, you've got all these major banks that were always negative, uh, giving a, a more positive spin to gold. Let me just check to find overnight. I'm forgetting who it was. Uh, uh, some bank that was negative all the time. They just changed their tune. But we've had Citigroup come in. Uh, the J.P. Morgan technical guy, the QBS has gone positive. There's a number of of major banks that have, um, I guess, recognized the trend that's taking place and realized they better uh, change their story if they want to be listened to. Yeah, you mentioned the miners continuing to hang in there this week as well. In fact, they might even be up a little bit versus last week if you look at some of the indexes that, that track the miners as a whole. Are you sensing, Eric? I mean, I look at that and I, I think, gosh, if I'm an equity manager and I'm trying to drive alpha and I'm trying to justify my my uh, fees that I charge, if money's coming out of the, the overall stock market and other sectors, it's got to go someplace. And you look at that mining sector and you think, well, yeah, I mean, maybe it's overbought, but why not? I mean, they're still pretty cheap. Sure. Well, you know, I think I said before, one of the beauties of computers, the computer will tell you that the gold's are rocking. <laughs> you know, you could be a PM and not not notice anything, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the week, the computer comes in. So, and the best performing group is gold and silver shares. And week after week after week, as we started this year, gold stocks have led the market because they're one of the only groups that's up. And the the, um, the UE index, it's up 60% off its low here on January 19th. So here we are. One month later, we put in a 60% move. We don't want to analyze that, okay? It would be some astounding number. But, you know, it indicates that uh, there's been a real bifurcation in the market here and that precious metals have taken the lead and... You know, hardly anybody's invested in them. The big institutions, for sure, aren't there. It's almost impossible to get in, Craig. I mean, the I think the total value of waiting in gold is like point 
3% of the total market? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they go to 0.6. <clears throat> if there's no issues, the stocks have to double. <laughs> and literally, if stocks double, nobody gets in, right? Because for everybody, it's, it's only when there's stock issues that people get in. There's got to be new issues for people to get in. Because if A buys it from B and and uh, B, uh, C sells it to B, I mean, there's really no net new buying. So it's just the, the quote is changing. There's not necessarily a lot of money going in, although, as I said before, there were some stock issues starting to come out. And believe me, they're gobbled up here. And uh, one of the companies I'm involved with, we've had more uh, offers to, to issue stock by many dealers. So they know the market's, the market's there for these things. And it almost becomes a little bit of a, a virtuous cycle. Is that leads to higher prices, which leads to more interest, which leads to higher prices off of these lows? I mean, could we see yeah. something that perpetuates? Well, you, you know, the most stunning fact, and this is, I think, the most important thing you and I are going to talk about this morning. Uh, Commerce Bank came out and said that so far ETS this year have added 150 tons. So we have a month and a half, so we're adding 100 tons a month. 100 tons a month, if it continues. And of course, it's likely to continue if, you know, you get into this virtuous circle. Um, we could add 1,200 tons in ETS, okay? 1,200. Last year, we lost 138. That's a change of 1,338 tons, if yeah. you can imagine that. 1,338-ton change in a 4,000-ton market with no increase in supply? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, where does it come from, Eric? Where's it come from? And I think this is one of the reasons why the market, you know, much as we might have all thought that the market might break here with a sharp break on uh, Friday and over the weekend, man, it hung in there at 1,200. And I have an interesting uh, sort of theorem. Uh, you know, there was a, an old uh, Conan Doyle mystery of uh, where the, the dog didn't bark. And it's what you call a negative fact. Like, you didn't see something that should have happened mm-hmm. because the dog didn't bark. The guy knew that whoever killed the guy was a friend, you know, was a friend of the family, whatever. Right. Um, but the dog didn't bark on, uh, what day was it? It was on uh, Wednesday. There were two things that came out. The industrial production was up 0.8%, which would imply some great strength in the economy. Not necessarily anyone should believe the numbers, but you know, normally they slam it. Whenever there's something strong, oh, we're going to all the rate increase, we've got a bad goal. It didn't even move. And at the end of the day, the market's up 250 points. When was the last time gold went up when the market went up 258 points? Yep. You know, like the dog didn't bark. Like the things that you'd expect to have happened didn't happen. So you're seeing all sorts of changes in the, in the way the market's reacting to various things now. And I think it's because of essentially the underlying lot, which most people would know what's going on. I mean, if you're working for a bank, you see, you know what's really going on. I mean, these banks must be getting killed on the derivatives and everything but treasuries is going down. Uh, their non-performing loans are going up and they're going up you know, every day they're going up because of this the weakness in the economy, notwithstanding supposed industrial production numbers going up, but you don't believe for one second. Um, but you can see it when, you know, Deere just came out and said their sales are going to be down 10% this year. Oh, nice. There's your farm economy, minus 10%. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you look at the export numbers from Japan, they're down double digits. Imports down double digits. Uh, in uh, Chinese imports down double digits. Double digits? 
double digits, that's not a recession. <laughs> that's, that's something worse than a recession. So there's lots of signs that it's not coming together here. Absolutely. You know, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on, on another thing that's, that is directly related to gold, though I think a lot of folks don't, don't think of that at first. But we're getting an increase, almost a, on a daily basis now, Eric, there are trial balloons being floated, whether it's from former Treasury Secretary Summers, uh, some of these guys oh, in the EU. Uh, oh, yeah. And it began as just a trickle last year, but now we're getting these balloons almost every day about eliminating cash. What do we need cash for anyway? Uh, that augurs well for physical gold as well, does it not? Of course. And the fact that they want to limit cash, i.e., they're taking away, like they took away the 500-euro note, and Summers can say we should get rid of the $100 bill. I mean, imagine if you went into a bank and you wanted to take out 20000 in $20 bills. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd, have, you'd need the, the proverbial wheelbarrow, right? Um but I think the reason they're doing it is they can see they're going to negative interest rates. They know that people would take their money out of the bank. Of course, you can't have banks losing their deposits mm-hmm. because they can't sell the asset, which is somebody's mortgage that's been paid over 20 or 30 years or a car loan over seven years or whatever it is. But it's, it's not uh, uh, fungible, whereas the deposit guy can just take it out the next day and get this imbalance between uh, supply and uh, withdrawals and, and, uh, and assets. Uh, so I see where this is going. And normally when they, they do these trial balloons, and you've seen this many times, Greg, you always get, it's like bail-ins. Remember when they started talking about bail-ins? Yeah. You know, and then they have a bail-in. And then, of course, they all put the uh, put the legislation in place to definitely have bail-ins. And yep. It's the trial balloon that, that you're talking about. They're putting it out there, and they just see how it's going to go. And it's a warning to people. It's a warning to people about the banks. It's a warning to people about... You know what the central planners are trying to do, and of course it is driving people into gold because given the choice of, you know, having your money in a bank that's levered and could be bailed in, i.e., you lose part of your deposit, or owning gold, which historically has gone up, whatever the number is, eight percent a year, and it looks like it might be on one of those trains already as it's up whatever sixteen percent this year. I mean, it's better than owning cash. I can guarantee to you that in the long run. Uh, even a year like this might be incredibly better than cash uh, since the start we've had. So it's going to bring people into uh, the precious metals market. And what happens, Eric? I mean, it, you we, you touched on the ETFs earlier, and you've got your funds that you run as well. What happens when all of a sudden there is all of this extra demand? I mean, it doesn't. I mean, even if demand doubles, it's doubling from a rather paltry level already. I mean, are we getting to the point where sourcing metal well, is going to be difficult? Of course, the price has to explode. I mean, I'm dealing with the physical market when I say there's 4,000 tons of supply. And, of course, most of that's from the mines, about 2,700 tons a year. And that mine supply is predicted to be lower this year. So all of a sudden, you bring this one new entrant. Just say the one new entrant, which is the ETS, and I can come up with potentially 1,300 tons. Well, where is it going to come from? Mm-hmm. And I've always been a believer that the market was out of balance going into it. That we probably had five or six thousand tons of demand in the four thousand ton market, and this, the Western Central Banks were supplying the difference anyway. So, if they see this wave coming in and they just say, "Okay, we know we're not going to make it," then all of a sudden things get crazy in gold and silver, and we've seen things get a little get get a little crazy in gold and silver. But I think it's just the start because you know if there's one ounce of shortage. <laughs> that somebody desperately wants. There's no telling where the price would go. And imagine if there's 
1,300 times, i.e. 20, what's that? It's over 25%. It's 30% of the market. It's 30% more demand this year than last year. And that's forgetting the fact that coin sales are up 100% in various mints and all sorts of other data points that are telling you that gold demand is going up. So, man, it could just get crazy. And, and there will be a failure to deliver here. There's no way that the world can supply that kind of demand that we're experiencing right this minute. And when that music stops and all of those that think they own gold, again, oh, yeah. put gold in, in uh, quotation marks, you know, with your little air quotation marks with your fingers, they think they own gold, whether it's a share of the GLD or it's a warehouse receipt or something like that. When that music stops and they all line up trying to claim yeah. their ounce, it's going to get interesting. You gotta know. You gotta know what the real data is, not the paper data. What one other thing, uh, Craig? I should talk about. Sure. When I looked at last week's COT report, I thought I saw something very interesting because, you know, they show the commercial long and the commercial shorts, <clears throat> and as you know, the commercials increased the net short position, but it was the makeup of the pluses and minuses that struck me, because with thirty thousand new long contracts entered into by the commercials. And it was 72,000 short contracts entered into by the commercials. And I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a bifurcation of the commercials. Because anytime somebody adds uh, 30,000 contracts, we're talking about $4 billion of purchases of gold by one group of, of commercials. And the other guys are selling it. And, of course, in this game, there's going to be winners and losers. And uh, these guys who are short and extreme and silver way at like eight hundred over eight hundred million ounces of paper silver short. Yeah. My God, if, if silver wasn't run here, you start multiplying eight hundred million times dollars. <laughs> these are these are not little amounts of money guys could be losing here. So I think I'm seeing a bifurcation between some of the commercials going on and others maintaining the short position. It'll be interesting to see what today's cut report of course shows us. Certainly will. And it'd be fun to see the uh, those shorts begin to really get squeezed. Hopefully that'll continue in the in the weeks ahead, Eric. It, uh, who knows what this next week's going to hold. Gosh, it sure makes it fun to, to meet with you every Friday. And I, I look forward to getting back with you again next Friday to see what this next week holds. I hope it stays exciting. It's been fun so far this year, Craig. Sure has, Eric. Hey, I want to wish you a great weekend, and thank you to everyone for listening to the Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up, and have a great weekend, too. We'll talk to you again next week.